I'd ask you to open your Bibles with me this morning. We are going to be in the Old Testament book. We're actually going to be, we're going to start out in the book of Numbers this morning. And we're going to be covering one of these very important topics at the church. The next two weeks are what we call vision weeks. And this is where we're going to take a look at, at next year, at 2023, and as a church, where we are going as we move forward. And when we look at where we are going, we also need to ask the question as a church, how do we do what the Lord is asking us to do? We can have all the great ideas, and we can have all kinds of, uh, of, of great programs, but the question is, is that do we have the resources to be able to bring these programs to the com uh, community, to do what God is asking us to do? So this morning we're going to be in the Old Testament books of Leviticus and of Numbers, and we're going to see exactly how it is that God formed the very first church, his first congregation of his people, and then we're going to see how God formed a mechanism to fund the church as the, the very first congregation is coming together. This entire message this morning is going to be around one theme. It's going to be around the theme of tithing. It's the offering. It is giving to God what is His. I teach on tithing twice a year, specifically on two Sundays, out of the year. One is the Sunday before Thanksgiving because what's going to happen is here the day after Thanksgiving, we call it Black Friday, and we're going to take all of our funds and we're going to go and, and we're going to start spending a ton of money on, on Christmas time and on presents and on worldly treasures and we forget about the church. It happens all the time. The other time that I preach on tithing is the weekend before Memorial Day because Memorial Day is this unofficial start to summertime. And what ends up happening is, you know, school is out and we take vacations and we do throughout the summertime, we forget about the church. And so it is very important that we focus and we remember at these times that the church does not take summer vacation. The church does not slow down during the holidays. The church does not stop because of a pandemic. The church still has work to do, but it happens during the holiday season that the church becomes an afterthought financially. We were never told to bring an afterthought to God. I wonder if you've already started asking people in your home, hey, what is it that you want for Christmas? What is it that I could write on a list for you? I wonder if you've started asking people for Christmas lists yet. Now, I want you to think, you might already have some things in mind for some people in your home. What you're going to buy them for Christmas, right? Okay, I've got this person, check, I know what I'm going to do. Let me ask you this question. Do you know what you're going to give to God between now and Christmas? Do you know financially what we're going to be giving to God? You hear me refer often to his tithes and our offerings. And I refer to it like that on purpose because the tithe, 
belongs to God. That is his already. Anything above that is what we give joyously. They are two different things. So we, we don't give a, an, an offering to, to God. Our first 10% is his tithe. Anything above that, that's sacrificial. That's coming joyously from us that we, that we want to give. A church history lesson is going to be really important. And I want you to see how God set up the first churches amongst his people and how he funded them and how he created a mechanism so that the resources were continually there for the church to do its ministry. So we're going to go back in the book of Exodus and I want you to remember that there was a time when the Israelites were all slaves. 400 years they were slaves in Egypt and God used Moses to bring the people out of Egypt and out into the desert and they're going to spend some time in the desert but eventually they're going to end up going to the promised land and what happens is all of these people that are coming out of Egypt they are part of one of 12 tribes these are the 12 tribes of Israel now these 12 tribes are from sons of Jacob. Everyone that came out of Egypt is part of one of these 12 tribes. 11 of these 12 tribes were given land in the promised land, were given a territory as an inheritance. One tribe did not get any land. 11 of them have entire territories for them to move into. And there's boundaries and there's barriers and, and, and this is where this tribe lives and this is where this tribe lives and this is where this tribe lives. One tribe gets nothing. They don't get any land to move into. I want you to know what comes with having land. One of these tribes, all the, uh, the 11 tribes that get land, they have places that they could herd cattle. They have places that they could grow produce. They have places where, where they can trade the fruit of their land with other tribes. They, they have a way that they can feed their family. They, they have this advantage that comes with the natural resources that are part of the land that they have inherited. And you could say that their life is now profitable. They have an opportunity now to take care of themselves. They have work. They have a product. Maybe they have a ranch. Maybe they have fields. But there is one tribe that has not given any land at all. They have no fields to grow crops. They have no cattle. They have no barns. They have no real way of making money. And it sounds kind of like one tribe is kind of being picked on here, right? Like, Today's modern day standards, we might say that. But God, he had a plan. This tribe that did not get any land, it's not that they didn't get any land as a punishment. It's because God had a, he had a plan for that tribe, that one tribe. So many of you know that Moses, God called Moses and he's, 
told Moses that he's going to lead, lead the people. Moses tells God, I, 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 can't, I can't do it because I've got a, I've got a speech impediment, right? And so what, what God says to Moses is he says, hey, you know what? Go get your brother Aaron. He's going to speak for you. You're still going to do this. You're still going to lead the people. Your brother's going to be part of this. Aaron and his bloodline and his sons become that 12th tribe who didn't have any inheritance. They didn't have any land. This tribe is the tribe of Levi. They are the Levites. Here's Aaron and his sons that are to be, watch this, this is so amazing. God has a plan for the Levites to be the priests, the pastors. They're going to be in charge of the temple. They're going to be the leaders of the church. They're going to be the caretakers of the church. They're going to be the ones who, who organize and take care of the spiritual growth of Israel and of these tribes. The Levites would have cities. They would have places to live within all of the other tribes' territories, almost like church property of sorts. So if they were in the territory of the tribe of Dan, there would be an area that the Levites would, would live. They would take care of the temple of the church that was in the area for that tribe. And every tribe would have groups of Levites that were taking care of churches in that particular area. So there is now a place for the Levites to live. They've got work to do, but they don't have any land. But their job is to maintain the church, to maintain the worship center, to honor God, and by serving the people who they live amongst in that particular area, that is their inheritance. That was their job, was to maintain the church and to be the spiritual leaders of the community. They had no land to sell. They didn't have real jobs, as we would think about in, 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 our, in our culture, but they were in charge of taking care of the church and teaching his people. God knew what he was doing when he brought his people into the promised land. He knew that his people needed ministers. He knew that they needed people to teach them and to lead them and to be spiritual fathers to them. God took an entire tribe. He's got 12. He takes an entire tribe to live amongst the other 11 tribes and to be their spiritual leaders. Now watch this. This is so important. God did not set aside a tribe to be law enforcement. He did not set aside a tribe to be doctors. He did not set aside a tribe to be veterinarians or firefighters. He set aside a tribe to be priests and to lead his people spiritually. He set aside one tribe. And they would be the ministers of the faith. I want you to see what we read in Numbers chapter 18 this morning. So the Lord said to Aaron, you, your sons and your father's household with you shall bear the guilt in connection to the sanctuary. Bear the guilt is that is that you should do the work. And you and your sons shall bear the guilt. You should do the work in connection with your priesthood. That was their job. Here's the first point in your notes this morning. 
For those of you maybe joining us for the first time on the back of your bulletins, there's some fill in the blanks. I'm going to give you those. They should be on the screen behind me as well. But write these down. Here's point number one on your notes this morning is this. God has appointed people to manage his church. God has appointed people to manage his church. We also see that God has not only appointed people, but he's also created a funding mechanism for the church. So he's got the Levites and the, their priests, and that's their job. But the one thing that you don't see them doing, you don't see the Levites leaving their job at the temple to go pull a shift at the Amazon warehouse and then come back to church. You don't see the Levites who are, are leaving to go pull a shift uh, at Domino's Pizza. No, they have a responsibility. God set in place a gift to the temple, to the tent of meeting, to the church, and he set in place this financial mechanism called the tithe. So he's appointed people, and he's appointed a funding mechanism. I'm in Numbers chapter 18. We read this in verse number 20. Then the Lord said to Aaron, you shall have no inheritance in the land, nor, nor own any portion among them. I am your portion and your inheritance among the sons of Israel. To the sons of Levi, behold, I have given all of the tithe in Israel as an inheritance in return for their service, which they perform the service of the tent of meeting. The tent of meeting is, is the church, it was the tabernacle, but that was their job. The tithe. The tithe is very specific. The word tithe literally means a tenth. It is 10%. It would have referred to then a tenth of your crops. It may be a tenth of your animals. It may be a tenth of your harvest, a tenth of your cattle. It was a tenth of your grain. It was a tenth of your increase since your last tithe. Everything that belonged to God's people that was grown or raised was subject to the tithe. God said to bring a tenth to the Levites. Now, you and I, we don't raise cattle. Most of us, we don't grow grain. What we do instead is we trade our labor for finance and we take our finance and we go and buy bread and beef. That's the way things work in our world. But what it is in our currency is finance. Not so much cows and goats. But the Israelites were told to bring a tenth of their produce to the temple. And remember that, remember that one tribe that had no land, right? None. Levites didn't have any, any land. They couldn't earn money off of their land because they didn't have any. They couldn't raise cattle. They couldn't grow grain. They had one job. And their job was to be the spiritual leaders of the tribe, of the people, of the community that they lived amongst. And God had a funding mechanism for them. When God created his church and he gave the Levites the direction, he told them, 
look, guys, I know that you're not getting land, but I'm going to take care of you. And we're going to take care of you with the tithe. He knew they were financially going to be taken care of. I'm in Leviticus chapter 27. We read this. Now all the tithe of the land of the seed of the Lord or the fruit of the tree is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Remember, we've talked about the word holy in the past. The holy means to be set apart for God, right? It, this is the instruction that God gave to Aaron and the priests who were to run the houses of worship. So this tribe didn't get any land, but they received the blessing of being the caretakers of the church and serving as the spiritual leaders of this community of, of, of people. And all of these other tribes, all of the other 11 tribes, well, their job's not to run the church, but their job is to bring the tithe to the churches. And all of these churches have needs. Think about it. I mean, we're, we're talking about massive areas and territories. And every area would have different churches. You know, even back then, that all of the churches needed to have, they needed to have seats, they needed to have chairs. All of the different churches, they needed to have lessons for the kids. They needed to have uh, places that were safe to learn. They needed to have parking lots to park the people's donkeys, right? They, they needed to have Wi-Fi so that the Levites could broadcast. I mean, there's things that they needed then that we still need. They needed youth group leaders. They needed people that would come and lead worship. And some of the, the Levites, that was their job, was to show up on, on Sundays or on church. And they would come and they would sit. Thing. They would lead worship. That's what they did. They all had responsibilities. All of the Levites had responsibilities. At the tent of meeting, at the tabernacle, at the churches. Being that most of the tithes came in, in those days... Not in cash or not in check. It didn't come in through an electronic mechanism. It didn't come in through text message. A lot of the tithes back then would come to the church in the way of like literal animals would show up at the church. Or you might have people showing up with, with, with sacks of grain that would come into the church. And now what you have to have is some of the Levites, they have to take care of that product that has come in, right? Now they've got to be able to turn those cows into resources that could be used for the church. Today we would refer to those people as maybe bookkeepers or maybe church administrators, people who are going to take the tithe and use it and, and prepare it to be used as a resource for the church. The tithe was the funding mechanism that God put into his structure for the church to properly be taken care of. Not only did God appoint priests and a team of people to take care of the building, but he also took care of providing them a way to take care of their families. And he took care of a way for the church to be funded properly because God's, God's desire was that this tribe, all of the tribes in this territory, if we're in the, the, the tribe of Reuben, the Levites there, the, the goal was for them to spiritually lead the entire community around them. The Levites' job 
It was to take care of the synagogue, the church, and the temple. But I want you to see something else about the tithe. This is really important. Not only were the 11 tribes told to tithe, told to give their 10%, everyone was. I'm in Numbers chapter 18. I'm in verse number 25. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, moreover, you shall speak to the Levites and say to them, when you take from the sons of Israel the tithe which I have given you from them for your inheritance, then you shall present an offering from it to the Lord, a tithe of the tithe. Here's the second point in your notes this morning. Everyone has a responsibility to tithe. Everyone. As pastors, we are not exempt from tithing. We're actually told that we're to take a gift from our gain, our 10%, and tithe from the tithe. That's our job. We don't get to step out of obligation of the church because there's a, a title. We don't. And those of us here in the pews today, we don't get an opportunity to step out of our obligation. We give out of obedience. Because that's what we were told. Many Christians who are still very, very young in their faith and, and growing in their spiritual maturity, they say things like, Pastor, I, I, I obey the Ten Commandments because it's in the Bible. I don't, I don't kill anyone because it's in the Bible. Um, I don't lie because it's in the Bible. I love my neighbor as myself. The Bible tells me to do that. Some will say, you know what, Pastor? Yeah, I, I, I circumcise all of our sons because it's in the Bible. I don't eat pork because it's in the Bible. I go to church because it's in the Bible. It tells me to do that. I, I pray to God the Father every day because it's in the Bible. That's what the Bible tells me to do. But on the outside, it looks as if, yeah, you know what? Here's a great biblical uh, uh, life and, and, and somebody who's growing, but we neglect the obedience of tithing. The exact thing that God tells us to do with our finance. It is in the Bible. It's there like everything else, but for some reason, for some reason, we think we're exempt or, you know, it's, it's, it's okay. Maybe it is easier for us in our modern day era to skimp on our tithing because our tithing typically nowadays is much more private than it ever has been. It might be through an app, it might be something that, that we put in the plate, and no one really knows, right, if we're, if we're giving a, a full tithe or not. For the very first churches, though, back in these days, they really didn't have that, that privacy barrier to stand behind. Everyone knows that what you do for a living, you raise cattle, everyone knows that. So when you're showing up at church with cattle, they know, okay, you're bringing your tithe to church. They know that, that you grow olives. So everyone was responsible to each other and for each other. Here's the thing, though, is that our giving, our tithing might be private. But God knows God knows it's, it's, his, it's his direction for us. He knows how obedient we are being to the tithe. 
just like praying and just like reading our Bible, because it is in the Bible, tithing is necessary to mature in your Christian faith. You're telling yourself, you know what, I, I really want to grow. I really want to grow in my faith. I want to grow deeper in my faith. I know where I am. I know where I was. Tithing is absolutely part of maturing in our Christian faith. But when it comes to giving God back his portion of our income, that's when our barriers go up. That's when the walls go up. That's when the objections go up and the excuses go up. And that's where we talk ourselves out of obedience is when it comes to finance. I've heard some people say this before. They say, well, pastor, I don't, I don't, I don't, give, I don't give all of my gifts to the church because I give to other nonprofits as well. I do that. I, I care and I give, and, that, and, that, and that's good and it happens. But what happens if we are giving others a portion of God's 10%? I want you to see what we read in Deuteronomy chapter 12. We read this, be careful not to sacrifice your burnt offerings just anywhere you like. You may do so only at the place that the Lord will choose within one of your tribal territories. And be very careful never to neglect the Levites as long as you live in your land. God says to bring your tithe to the place that I have appointed for you to bring your tithe. And yes, you can give above and beyond to other places, but God says, it is not up to you to tell me what to do with my funding. That's what God is saying. Bring it into the house. He's basically saying, if you give 2% to the church and you give 8% to other nonprofits, he says, you're taking my money and you're giving it somewhere else and I can't financially support the church on that. God's very specific in this area. Here's the third point in your notes this morning. It's this. God did not allow anyone to make an excuse not to give him his tithe. We don't have permission to make excuses. This is so important. All of the objections... For not giving God is 10%. All of the objections are man-made. All of them. God does not make excuses. He makes miracles happen. God does not make excuses. He makes abundance. God does not make excuses. He makes solutions. All of the excuses, all of the objections to tithing are man-made. God does not either make your tithe based upon a specific amount. He doesn't, this is, this is genius what God did. He said it is based on a percentage of what you have earned. God didn't say for everyone to give $200. He he said for everyone to give 10%. And, and your 10% might be $200. Your 10% might be $2,000, but your 10% might be $2. Might be. It might be. And I know that some of you are saying, Pastor, we're in, the, we're in a new, new Testament church, and, you, and you're talking Old Testament scriptures, and, and, and we, don't, we don't really live by that anymore. 
Well, let's go and see what Jesus said about this. Follow me, I'm in Matthew chapter 23. Jesus is having a discussion with his disciples and he was teaching them the difference between how God wants us to live and how the Pharisees were living. The Pharisees were the spiritual leaders of the Jewish people at that time. And they didn't get along with Jesus very well at all. And Jesus rarely had anything good to say about them and the way they were living and the way they were teaching. As a matter of fact, he only had one thing in his entire ministry that he said positive about the Pharisees. I'm in Matthew chapter 23. Then, then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example for they don't practice what they teach. Jesus goes on to talk more about the Pharisees, but he makes one specific point. I'm in verse number 23. He says this, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of the religious law, and you Pharisees, you hypocrites? For you are careful to watch this, tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Did you see what Jesus just said? He's telling the Pharisees, those who he has major religious frustrations with, he's telling them, there's a, one thing that you do right. You guys are so messed up, but there's one thing. He's saying, the Pharisees, you guys are tithing correctly. You guys are giving even the smallest amount, the 10th of your herb gardens but you're neglecting other major portions of the law. Our culture seems to want to only see the other major portions of the law, but neglect the tithe. See, in Jesus's day, the rule of tithing was 10%, and it was still in effect in his day, and nowhere in the New Testament did Jesus ever take the tithe out of operation. He never said, yeah, I know, that was Old Testament stuff. We're a New Testament church. We can do things different thing, differently now. He never said that. Never did. Let me just ask this. Do you, do you think that we can create a better financial mechanism for the church than God can? Like, we seem to tell ourselves, God... I know you're the creator of all things. You're the creator of economics, but I can do this better. We've got this figured out. Jesus talked about more money more than he did heaven and hell. You think it was important? Yeah, yeah, it was really important. Let me tell you something else that's really important here. Less than 2% of this entire church body is tithing right now. Less than 2%. A very small minority in this church gives a tithe of 10%. More of us in our church rely on somebody else to fund the church. Here's my challenge to you today. Who is going to give a tithe for the very first time today who is going to trust God right now without saying without saying 
You know what, let me do this. Let me go home and let me crunch some numbers and let me see if I can make it fit into my budget. Let me see, if I I feel that I've got some money left over at the end of the month, I'll give it to God. Let me go home and crunch some numbers and see what I can do. Who is going to say today, no more excuses? Who is going to say today, I am all in. There's no holding back anymore. Who is going to say today, I'm not going to let the enemy win this spiritual battle for my spiritual maturity anymore? Who's going to take that step? Who is going to say, my disobedience to the tithe stops right now? I know, it's a hard one to hear. Who's ready to make the most significant step in your spiritual life? In so many years, this, who's ready to take that part, that step in your life and gives God something that he has not been in control over? You've given him control of so many different aspects of your life, but this is an area that God has not had control over. The author of the book, The Five Love Languages, his his name is Mark Batterson, and he wrote a book called All In. He writes this. He says, let me be blunt, because on the subject of money, Jesus was. Obedience can be measured in dollars, so can faith. So can sacrifice. It's certainly not the only measure, but it's one of the most accurate. If we give God 2% of our income, can we really say we are 100% committed to him? I think not. If we withhold the tithe, can we really say in God we trust? If we give God our leftovers instead of the first fruits, can we really say we are seeking first his kingdom? Some people say, they say, Pastor, all the church wants is my money. I'll tell you, that's not true. What the church wants is for God's children to grow in obedience. That's what the church wants. My challenge to you today is to eliminate the excuses I'm challenging you to stop saying, I don't have enough money. Because when we say that, what we're saying is, God, I don't trust you with my first 10%. I don't trust you that I can live off of 90%. I'm challenging you to stop letting the enemy take away your obedience to your Savior in this area of your spiritual life. And I'm going to challenge you to make a decision not just to give to the church, but to actually start giving and tithing on a regular basis right now. It's not just for today. Because the church doesn't stop ministry over the holidays. We don't have a New Year's resolution that we're going to start having more funding coming on in from different sources, different places. No, God created this mechanism for funding the church. Today is day one of your spiritual growth and obedience to contributing to the church and being obedient to God's tithe. 
What if we told God that we were only willing to be 2% obedient to him? What if we only have 2% faith in God? You know the blessings we're missing out on? This is the fourth and final point in your notes this morning. What if our love for God was measured by our obedience to giving? What if our love for God was measured by our obedience to the tithe? Your challenge today is that if you've never made a regular contribution to a ministry, I challenge you today to take that first step. Your level of trust in God can absolutely be determined by the percentage that we are giving back to God. How much do we trust God? You know what, God would be happy if we even trusted him 10%. He'd be so happy with that. He would be thrilled with that. God's got a mechanism in place. It's just our job to be obedient to that mechanism.